Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Catholic Mac Podcast on another beautiful day that the Lord has made. So glad that you joined us here from all across Canada and all around the world. What a great universal church we belong to. I thought it'd be fitting to start the uh, this podcast with a quote from the Catechism, and it's a timely one. So here it is from reference number 2317. Quote, injustice, excessive economic or social inequalities, envy, distrust, and pride, raging among men and nations constantly threaten peace and cause wars. Everything done to overcome these disorders contributes to building up peace and avoiding war. Insofar as men are sinners, the threat of war hangs over them and will so continue until Christ comes again. But insofar as they can vanquish sin by coming together in charity, violence itself will be vanquished and these words will be fulfilled. They shall beat their swords with plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. End quote from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, reference 2317. Also right at the end there, there is a reference to the book of the prophet Isaiah and uh, a reference to, to one of the constitutions of Vatican II. So I thought that was real timely. We've got uh, all kinds of tyrannical governments around the world, particularly in Europe. And hey, let's not forget, we've got uh, enemies of freedom right here in Canada as well. And we need to pray for uh, those who have been uh, unjustly uh, dismissed from their jobs and they still have limited freedom of mobility and freedom of conscience as well as being really attacked here in our own country of Canada. But we also look over to Europe, of course, and we see rumors of war, actual war, hatred, division. Uh, these are all signs of the diabolical. So we need to pray, especially for the poor people, the poor innocent civilians that uh, they just want to live their life, their vocation that God has called them to, and they want to live it out in peace and uh, you see that there's these uh, protests from all over the world, not only in Ukraine, but also, you know, even the people in Russia, these poor people in Russia, they don't want a war either. And they're out on the streets. They're saying, we don't want a war. Well, the best way that we can really stand up for these people is to pray the rosary, my friends. Pray the rosary like Our Lady has asked us to do and fight the true enemy. And that is the enemies that are in the air, the principalities of darkness that St. Paul talks about. And uh, that's that's how we're going to win this war is through prayer, through fasting and through making reparation for our sins as well, but also for the sins of others. And, uh, you know, should go no further than scripture and the catechism to give us that wisdom and that perspective on what it means to be charitable and to counteract the evil in this world. So I'm really excited to share this conversation I've had with John Kramer, because here's a gentleman that's got... Uh, he has a disability, but that doesn't slow him down at all uh, from being a great witness of Jesus Christ in our church. And uh, as the name suggests, the Lego Church Project is the name of his ministry. And John gets literally tens of thousands of pieces of Lego, puts them together, builds a church out of them, takes it to churches uh, around the area that he lives in in Saginaw, Michigan, and also posts a lot of photos online for people to follow him. And he uses that gift to be that uh, that avenue, that vehicle to bring a greater awareness to people that have disabilities so that our church can be more inclusive for those people. And uh, and especially when it comes to attending mass, you're going to really, I think, enjoy uh, John's insights and perspectives on 
people that have disabilities in our church, but they have a hard time getting to Mass. They have a hard time being a part of our community because they have some limitations that sometimes people don't even see. So really excited to share this conversation with John. He's been on our podcast before too, and I invite you to listen to episode number 28 from last year. And again, it's really good to catch up with John. So without further ado, here's my friend, John Kramer. We'll see you on the other side, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, John Kramer is the founder and creator of a fantastic ministry called the Lego Church Project. And he's based out of Saginaw, Michigan, that lovely state. And he's also a great advocate in our church for bringing about a greater awareness for the spiritual and temporal needs of people with disabilities. John, welcome back to the Catholic Connect podcast. Thank you for having me, man. Great to be here. Well, it's great to catch up with you again. And, uh, you know, we were just chatting offline the last time you came on. It's been actually about a year. It was uh, March of last year. And we had a fantastic conversation again about your your ministry with the Lego Church Project. So uh, maybe just remind our listeners that might be new to our show what the Lego Church Project is all about. And when did it start for you, John? Well, the Lego Church Project is basically where I take about two months and I build a giant church uh, out of my uh, of my own design out of Lego bricks. And it'll take me about two and a half months. And I've been doing this for 23 seasons straight. In fact, if you were to take a look at my living room right now, you'd see bins, trays, and the project uh, halfway finished sitting on my living room table. <laughs> yeah, card table set up. So, And I do this as a disability ministry. I've got a mild form of cerebral palsy. And I'm a firm believer that no matter what challenge or disability you face, God can still use your talents. Uh, and I'm living proof of that. This is what I do. I go out, I talk. Uh, I'm not hesitant to share the faith with others, especially when it comes to the aspect of disability. Uh, I'm a firm believer that I think that, that those of us with disabilities are often undervalued. Uh, but then again, I also think a lot of that comes from a lack of understanding of what exactly it is that we face, especially for those who have invisible disabilities like, my, like myself, where things are not always apparent uh, on the surface. What would you say to people, John, because that's a really interesting point you made, and we were talking about this here recently in an episode with uh, the Catholic CEO and Henry Katarna. And, you know, sometimes it's about finding our gifts too sometimes. And some people don't, um, they don't, sometimes they don't even recognize that they have gifts, but we all have gifts, right? God has given this to us, but we just need to pray for the grace to, to find out what they are. And almost every day, we actually have multiple gifts, which is, it's uh, God is so good to all of us, but yeah. What would you say to someone that says, ah, oh, you know, I, I don't think I have any, any gifts. I don't think I have anything to offer to the world or to our church. What would you say to someone like that, John? I firmly disagree with that notion. I believe that everyone has the ability to tap into these talents. Sometimes it may be simple as just being willing to listen, to be willing to offer counsel, to offer encouragement. There are many different talents and many different paths to take. If you're certainly unsure, I would certainly just spend time in prayer. Ask God to reveal these things to you. You might be surprised at the direction that might come about and what doors may open because of that. Absolutely. So what was that process for you? You know, like, John, I'm sure there was probably some times in your life where you're like, ah, you know, I, I do have I do have a disability. I feel a little insecure. I'm not sure what path God is taking me, how I can be a witness of his love to others. What was that journey like for you, John? A very challenging one. 
I was always, I've always been doing the, I've been doing the project in some form or another since I was a kid. Uh, since the 2000s, that's when it kind of turned into what it's become. But it was a slow process. Uh, trying to navigate a world where there's high expectations on jobs, family, and stuff like that. And here I am kind of struggling internally, not fully comfortable in my own skin because of the fact that I've got these challenges. Uh, and yet here I am in this place doing all this kind of interesting stuff over the last couple of years. So it was a slow process. It's not always an easy process, uh, but at the same time, though, it's also been very rewarding because I have been able to develop my talents and explore the areas that I'm good at in, in areas that I didn't even think I was going to be very good at at all. I mean, if you told me like 10, to 10 years ago that I'd be an amateur radio operator and using some of those skill sets and talking with people, I would have thought you were nuts. <laughs> Sounds like me, John, with this podcast. I, you know, I mean, podcasting is re relatively new still, right? And you asked yeah. me 10, 15 years ago if this is how I was going to be uh, talking with someone like you, John, a, a brother of Christ, all the way in Michigan. Uh, you know, you think of all the, the things that have gone in our paths in yeah. the last many years that, that now our paths crossed. I mean, who would have ever thought, right? <laughs> I know. I've, I've had chance. It's the, one of the fascinating things through the Lego Church project that I really do like is not just from a local perspective, but from the fact that I've been able to connect with so many other people who have seen my work. Uh, they've heard some of my interviews that I've given uh, and talks about certain issues that are very important to me. <laughs> you know, just to that previous point you made about, uh, I think when we're discerning what our gifts are and how we can share them with the world and uh, the direction that God wants to give us, I think it's, it's so important that we realize, especially as us as that we're blessed to be baptized. We've received the sacraments of baptism and of, of confirmation is the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I encourage our listeners to, to discern them and to remember what they are. And I got, I just wanted to make sure I got them right. So I, I, I brought it up here. So, it's, so from one to seven, it's wisdom. Second is understanding then counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and the fear of God. And I think if we, we look at that, and uh, I believe it was St. Thomas Aquinas that made them, that kind of had a really interesting summary of all seven, and maybe I'll include that in the show notes. But uh, if we're, we're really discerning the direction that God wants us to go, just to remember, we were filled with the Holy Spirit when we receive our, those sacraments, right, John? Yeah. And that's sort of a basis and a foundation. And uh, the promises and the power of the sacraments is that we receive those gifts from the Holy Spirit, and then we can... Uh, be fruitful from there, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely does. And I think it's definitely important for us to explore our talents to see where God wants us to go. He may take us in directions that we never thought possible. Uh, and I say this from someone who's living this, obviously. <laughs> I, I think that's one of the fascinating aspects of, of my work is that it has allowed me to explore new areas. Uh, especially with the advent of technology. Technology has really been very important to the disability community at large. Uh, I've been following a lot of different accounts uh, over the years, uh, and there's been a lot of great strides in efforts to make disability more of a priority. And it's really one of those overlooked things that I see, especially in the aspect of the church. There's a lot of needs 
within the church. And there's a, uh, there's a gray area between those who are, who have more severe and more obvious disabilities than those of us with more invisible disabilities. En enough of a, a quirk that makes life uh, an interesting challenge at times. <laughs> oh, absolutely. What would you say some of those are? Cause it's a great point. You know, you think of someone that, uh, you know, maybe already is in a wheelchair, maybe is, is missing a leg or something, or is, uh, is a, is a paraplegic. Okay, well, let's let's put in a, a wheelchair ramp for this particular uh, gentleman or this particular lady, right? Because it's obvious to see. Hey, we need some we need some help just with the, that physical need, right? But when you say that there's some things, John, um, some disabilities that you can't see, what are maybe some examples that you can share with our listeners of of how we can um, be more inclusive in in that way and more understanding in some people's uh, you know shortcomings, not through any, any fault of their own, but through things that they just, you know, they can't necessarily communicate to people if you're just looking at them at face value. Well, one of the challenges that I've seen in many places is the attitude that we have. I think that we are in a society that is rushed to judgment. We see someone who does not fit our normal perception and we assume the worst. Uh, I've certainly seen an issue within my own walk where there are certain basic needs that the church simply does not meet, such as the issue of transportation. Uh, that is one of the big issues that I'm notoriously known for speaking out on. Probably out of the many things disability-related that I talk about in the church, transportation is like the biggest one. Many of us have a desire to attend Mass in person. Uh, and when you have someone well-meaning telling you, well, you can watch it on TV, for someone who's got sensory issues, that is like a borderline impossible thing. I found this out firsthand during the issue of the pandemic when many of the parishes uh, had suspended public mass for health reasons. I could not watch the mass on television. It did not have that same connection. And more than it's more than just a feeling on it, more than just a feeling. It is being there in the church being surrounded by those of us who truly believe in Christ. There, there's a deep connection that we make when we are sitting there, hearing everything in person. And to be deprived of that, and to be told, well, you don't drive, uh, you can't find a ride, oh, you're on your own. Uh, that kind of sends the wrong message, in my opinion. And I know that's not necessarily the intention but that is the kind of perception that comes across that people with disabilities are not welcome. If you don't drive, if you don't have connections within the parish, you're on your own. We don't want you really here because, well, well that's this the way it is. And we run into a situation where we are quick to make excuses as to why we can't do something. Is there a liability issue? Is there a cost issue? a lack of volunteers, even the idea of having a list of people who would be willing to offer a ride to someone in need. As someone with a disability, it can be really embarrassing and really challenging to try and find someone who you're comfortable with in asking for a ride because you don't know. You don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know. I've certainly, I, well, I've certainly been blessed to be able to find rides to church uh, there have been times where I've been left scrambling sometimes because the people I rely on have other things going on in their life, which is perfectly fine. 
but I should not be feeling uncomfortable being put in that position to have to miss mass due to uh, the parish not having active programs uh, available. And there is certainly this, this challenge with that because I know that there have been other people uh, who that I've run into, some of whom who have left the church because, well, the uh, Protestant church up the road has got uh, a service van that they send out, while the Catholic church, on the other hand, does not. <laughs> so, yeah, you run into those situations uh, all the time. And once again, it comes down to the attitude. Do we truly want to be ministering to those around us? What can we do to evangelize? And even the basic idea of offering transportation is evangelization in its own way. I know, and this goes back to that example where you learn from your family. Uh, my parents have got people within their small little parish community that they belong to. They sometimes offer rides because sometimes people just get caught into situations where driving becomes more of a challenge. Uh, I certainly don't drive myself. I haven't driven in over a decade uh, for various reasons. Uh, and I think the reasons why someone doesn't drive shouldn't be a factor in all. I, I think it's irrelevant. It's just the fact that they don't have an easy way to get around. And we're already struggling to try and get our services met as it is. Uh, trying to get to the store, trying to get to doctor's appointments. Uh, so we've already got that challenge, which is already an uphill battle in many cases, to be able to get our basic services met. And it should also, we should be able to make it a little bit easier to get our spiritual needs taken care of as well. I think that's where the church has really struggled the last couple of years, John, is that uh, it's not just for folks with disabilities or, or people that have uh, mobility issues. It's uh, it's everybody where you, you start to, when you have a, a mass dispensation and you start to slowly but surely, especially if it starts to extend for more than just a, a couple of weeks, <laughs> and I guess to months and now into years, you downplay the importance of of uh, celebrating and to this the sacrifice. Well, it's the sacrifice of the mass. We've got to be there in person. Yes, to watch it on TV is one thing for some people that, that you know if that's the only thing they've got. They do it. The, the you know the bishops have said that that's fine. So we're not saying that it's not fine. But no. There is something to be said, John, for being in mass in person. The prayer of the priests, uh, the prayer of, of other faithful, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. What would you suggest to a parish that um, uh, would like to be more inclusive in this area of, uh, of being accommodating to, to folks with, with disabilities like you? And, you know, John, the other, other folks I was thinking of, and it's a pretty another uh, uh, large segment of our church is folks that live in the old folks home that yeah. no longer drive, have mobility issues, uh, you know, and, and again, just maybe just too afraid to ask for help, too afraid to ask for a ride. What are some ways that our parishes can have this outreach to this community to uh, to sort of bridge that gap, I guess? Well, there's going to be no easy solutions on this, and it's going to take a lot of effort to, to make this necessary change. Uh, I think from, at least from my perspective, the simplest way would be for the parish office to have a list of volunteers people that are willing to go out and who are off willing to offer their time and talent to be able to uh, to provide transportation uh, to, and I think we definitely need to do more outreach to the nursing home facilities. Many 
people that are there, their family are no longer really active in the church. So they're kind of left scrambling. Uh, with the limited resources of the priest, not every nursing home can have a mass. Or if they do, it's like once a month or something like that. Which, And I think that, that for the mental health of people, if they're physically able to go, I think every opportunity should be given uh, to them. Now, I under, and I understand that in some cases that may not always be practical due to various health reasons or concerns. And I don't want to minimize those uh, issues at all. It's just more along the lines of that those who have a desire to attend mass in person should be given every opportunity to do so. And a lack of transportation should not be that obstacle to prevent them. Uh, Maybe something for our uh, brother Knights, uh, the Knights of Columbus. Uh, yeah, I've thought about that. Projects, and that might be something some councils, if you hear this podcast, might be a little challenge for you and your roster to uh, maybe come up with some ideas to support your parish. You know what I was thinking too, John, we had a couple of elections here in Canada, a federal and then a, a municipal one here in 2021. And boy, those volunteers, they work hard to uh, make sure people get rides. I actually yeah. provided some rides to people. And uh, that was one of the, the things that they said that they would really appreciate. Now yeah, they made sure if anybody had mobility issues or but they called and said, hey, we need a ride to get to the polling station. They made sure that they found a ride. So I'm sure surely in the church we can find rides for people. Yeah, I think and I think that's something that we can that we can look at if we're all called to evangelize. Uh, and that's something that I take to heart. And but I think one of the greatest things that people don't realize is that sometimes evangelization comes in the smallest of messages. If you're offering someone a ride to church that's evangelizing. You're sharing the faith with them. Uh, and, and while I've certainly been blessed, I see it as a bigger issue than other than my own needs. I want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to, to go to Mass, to have that desire to be there in person. This has been my rallying cry. This has been my uh, point of concern. And along with the attitude of the people, we need to be a little bit more open-minded and a little bit more welcoming of the strangers that come to our parishes. Uh, not everyone's disability, as we've noted, is easily seen. You have some people like myself who have got a little bit of cognitive issues here and there, a lot of mobility issues. If And I go, once again, going back to my own example, if you were to see me in person, you just see this giant behemoth of a guy who doesn't exactly walk very well sometimes. <laughs> But some of that's because of the weight, but the other issue is I've got cerebral palsy. My balance is shot to heck. Uh, walking, if I've got issues with sinuses or other neurological quirks going on, my balance is not good. <laughs> I, I'm at a fairly high risk for falling and I've got to be very careful when I move because one wrong shift and I go down, which is not fun. Uh, trying to get up off the ground off a of fall is not easy. <laughs> yeah. And to that point too, John, we know that there's a lot of people that are struggling with, with mental health, especially yeah. uh, over the last couple of years. And uh, of course that is not obvious at all to anyone. You could be walking down the street and someone could be in, in a lot of uh, uh, distress and you would never know. And same thing when people come to the church, I think that there is that uh, 
that God-shaped hole in, in so many people, and all of us, really. And a lot of people go to the Catholic Church because they know that they know that Jesus lives there, right? In the Blessed yeah. Sacrament. And sometimes they just want to come and, and be close to Christ. They want to be in, a, in, in the inside the church building, and uh, they want to participate. And uh, how we welcome them in our our disposition, I guess, it's when they come into our, our, our churches. Uh, that means a lot, doesn't it, John? Yeah, I've heard the horror stories of visitors who come to churches and they are put off by the fact that the parishioners there are not very friendly to them, which I think is wrong. Take their parking spot or take their special spot in their pew, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's yeah. like heaven forbid that we are welcoming to the stranger. Uh, there seems to be this mentality, and I could very well be wrong, but uh, there's this mentality that I've seen sometimes where, where we come to church and we've lost our sense of community. And we are islands to ourselves instead of being willing to help one another, we just come to pray, to take part in the mass, but we don't interact with the person sitting next to us. We don't say hello. We don't shake their hand. We don't do anything. We're here for Christ and Christ only, and heaven forbid that we actually believe that this is a community. The best parishes that I've been to where I visited are the ones that are more community-minded. They are the ones that have decent numbers of people because they're doing things, they're outreaching, they're sharing the faith, they're showing mercy and compassion above all else, and you see that gentle spirit. So when you walk into the parish, you're not going to feel put off by everything because you know you're going to feel welcome. Uh, you got people who are saying hello, you got people who are trying to see how you're going on, how things are going on, and if things are going rough, how can we pray for you? Uh, I, and I, and I, I've witnessed that when I was doing the uh, the uh, display uh, last year up in Bay City, where we had a lot of that, a lot of that community interaction, which is nice. I think it's something that that we really need to shift our focus on within the church to be more community minded. Our parishes are not going to survive if we are closed off to the rest of the world. For sure, and and unfortunately, with uh, this way, the, the way this whole virus has played out for us, uh, a lot of parishes that uh, used to have, uh, say, the Knights of Columbus would have a, a pancake breakfast or these fish fries I hear about, especially in the United States. That sounds like something we should do up in Canada, but uh, little things like that in the community, or even just something simple as having, uh, you know, some refreshments, some coffee, some donuts after mass. It does keep people around. You can talk to them a little bit. If someone maybe you've never seen before, that's an opportunity to just go and say hello. It's a, it's a friendly environment, and and hey, it's right after mass. We just received the Eucharist worthily, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so so our Lord is in us in a special way, and uh, I just I love that visual. But unfortunately, we haven't had much of that at least up in Canada for the last couple of years. So uh, there's going to be a lot of work that we're going to need to do. A lot to, of work is going to be, so. have to be done. Well, and talk about the uh, the fish fry. Our uh, local council, uh, 4232, uh, does a fish fry for Lent. Uh, they also, what they do, uh, our council is kind of unique in what they'll do. And they're starting this back up again this year after, because of all, once again, because of all the chaos of the years, uh, they're doing their pancake breakfast skin. And what they'll do is they'll fund uh, a percentage of the proceeds from that to a specific parish in their region. 
So that's money that goes into the parish to help them out in their time as well. Uh, I know that uh, Christ is a good shepherd, which I belong to. I know we'll have, we have in ours at some point. <laughs> and those uh, breakfasts are always a lot of fun. Uh, and a lot of the Knights of Columbus, Knights of Columbus does a lot of good. And I think that, that some of the areas that I talk about with the disability, I think that would be a perfect opportunity for them to step up and to do more uh, in, in the, in to help uh, be the backbone of the parish and the uh, community at large. I think there's a lot of missed opportunities that we have. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, just praying for the grace to recognize them, right? Yeah. There's all kinds of opportunities around the corner for us. So let's talk about this, the Lego Church project again, John. Tell us maybe about uh, some experiences that you've had with these builds over the years and, and how you've, uh, uh, yeah, just some, some stories that maybe people have shared with you, how uh, maybe it's... Uh, increase their faith or it's been a conversation starter to uh, to share the gospel with other people is there some stories that you can share with us of uh, your experiences over the years well i'm notoriously known when i go out in public to keep a photo a few photos of what i'm working on on hand because i'm always talking about the project it is a good conversation piece and a good way to start sharing the faith on the basic level and i've had people i've talked to who have seen my work over the years and how it's been helpful to them uh, come to terms with whatever they're facing with. Uh, a few years ago during one of my season displays, I think it was season 20, uh, probably. <laughs> you do this for so long, you kind of judge the events by what season you were in. There was this one uh, woman who brought her neighbor kid over for a, a Bible study or some gathering, and he's got severe disabilities. Doesn't have a very high life expectancy, unfortunately. You should have seen the look on his eyes when you saw the project. This project is big, it's bright. I use uh, red for the, the main walls, red and blue and yellow for the main walls and the roof. And his eyes just lit up. I could see that his could see the reflection inside of as he's looking at things, and it is like such a humbling experience. I've had People who make comments, uh, I've had families who have shared photos of their kids have seen stuff that I've been doing and they're trying to, to do their own versions of it. Mm. That is humbling. When I do these displays to talk to people, to see how they're interacting with the project itself, they see a little bit of themselves sitting in the pews. And now that I've been doing a lot more with the disability aspect of it. Uh, the projects are an epic challenge to build for me every year. They are a test of every aspect of how I am, both physically and mentally. I am literally building a project that is about 47 inches long by at least 25 inches wide. Not counting height, about 25 inches to the tip of the bell tower, give or take. <laughs> The height kind of varies depending on how tall I want to make the towers each year. But you have to figure this is an overwhelming project because I'm doing this all freehand. There is no blueprints that I am following. I'm literally no instruction like, book. No, there is no instruction book. <laughs> uh, I would rather, I mean, I've been known for building these uh, Gundam model kits with the instructions that are not in English. <laughs> But this, the project is 10 times more harder because there is nothing 
you're going by your experience of what you've done before. You're going by uh, just the understanding of what the Legos will do and what it won't do. And, but also too, you're, there's also that fear that you're not going to have enough or it's not going to turn out well. There's that, that there's always doubt in your mind. I certainly run into that. And I think that's why I put so much of an effort into my work, into prayer, because I am praying with my hands. Everything that's bothering my heart gets poured into this work. And for me, that is prayer. Uh, praying for the situations in the world, praying for the situations in our parish, praying for my own needs, which can be challenging in itself. And yet, through it all, even when things don't exactly go according to plan. <laughs> oh, man. And I'll, I'll tell you something from the season 23 built this year. I'm at the halfway point, as of this podcast being aired, I'm at the halfway point of the project build which means I've got the lower half mostly set. And there's one step that is always tricky. And that is the rows that interlink the lower half and give me the uh, support I need to put the balcony pieces in. The balcony pieces are solid three rows of plates that are fairly wide and bulky, depending on which section I'm working on. The, the side wings are a little bit smaller, but still, you've got to try and nestle in everything in together and that's not including the lights that have to get put in first and trying to keep those from popping out on you as you're trying to, to build it and make sure the lights actually work. <laughs> See, people don't realize that part that there's Christmas tree lights inside on both the lower half and the upper half. So I'm trying to balance everything out with this. And if you were to take a look at the project, you'd wonder, it is an overwhelming experience. And it's overwhelming when things don't go according to plan. I'm trying to to build this section up in a different way that I've never considered before. And it's like, uh, something didn't quite work right. So what do I do to fix the problem at hand? Does it involve completely dismantling and rebuilding? Uh, I'd rather not. <laughs> but you learn, you learn as you go along, you, you figure things out. And, and at that point, if things get a little overwhelming, you stop and you pray. You just ask God for guidance. What can I do to solve this problem? And I think that's the same kind of mentality that I go into with a lot of situations in life. God, how can I solve this problem at hand? What do you have for me that will help uh, take care of things that is beneficial to not only the other person, but to myself as well? What works for both of us? Uh, and I think that we've lost our spirit of compromise in that respect. And I make a lot of compromises uh, with the project, both from the aspect of the design and for what I know is going to be structurally sound. Because this thing still has to be able to, to, be, able to be physically moved. <laughs> well, I think you raise a, a great point there, John, is that our, our prayer life needs to be uh, a, a focal point of any project that we take on, whether that's our our um, everyday workplace that uh, we go out in the secular world and we're, uh, you know, providing a living for ourselves and our family, or when we're doing our ministry work, like you're doing, John, and what I do with the podcast, we have to have time to pray and to be in right relationship with God, don't we? Because uh, that's where all the all the good things come from, all the, the, the good, the fruits of the Holy Spirit uh, that we talked about earlier. 
that's where we can share that with the world, but we have to be in a right relationship with God, don't we? We have to have that relationship in a communication. And even when we think we can do something on our own and we're forging our way forward, and then it's like, you know, God kind of pulling us back, say, hey, you still need me in this. I, I, I want to be a part of your life and you need to come to me in prayer and so we can have that communication and I can show you which door to go through when, when other doors close. Yeah, a lot of people have this assumption that, that prayer offers magical answers, that things just miraculously snap and everything comes into place. Sometimes it is about giving us an internal focus to be able to look at the problem and see things from a different perspective that we otherwise would not. Uh, I've certainly been fortunate that in my own prayer time that I've been able to see a lot of when I'm working on things. I, I can see things that are going the way things are going and whatever problem arises, but without the prayer as the foundation, uh, my work would not be possible. Uh, and I think that that's why I put so much of an effort into not only into what I do, but it, it turns into a prayer because of the fact that there are many ways to pray. People just don't always realize it, that there are many ways to pray. Some of us do pray with our hands because it's in the things that we truly love that we're doing. And is God has given us these amazing talents, and this is how we're choosing to honor God uh, through this. I often say that this is not really my project so much as the work of God. I'm just the humble builder. Sounds like the, the guys that uh, make those sculptures and statues, right? They said, yeah, it's, uh, the image is already there. It's, uh, you know, it just where it feels like our hands being guided to to just free this image so that the rest of the world can see it. Right. And, oh, definitely. And that's, uh, that's really interesting. So over the years, John, the designs have been different with the church. It's not just the, the same thing over and over again. They've been they've been different. Right. So maybe tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what inspires you to, uh, I guess, create or to have a certain design over the years? Do you do you take, you probably take some of your ideas that work well before, but what kind of inspires you to uh, to change it up a little bit? Or do you have sort of an image in your head of every year of how you want it to look? I often tell the story that there's a thousand and one ideas inside my head that I want to do for each season. Mm -hmm. And very rarely do things come together as planned. <laughs> Uh, I take a lot of inspiration from the places that I've seen, either that I've been to or I've seen the images of. I, I know I certainly have a lot of people on both my uh, Facebook and Twitter who post a lot of pictures on social media of the churches, stuff that they've seen, stuff that their place they've been to. I take a lot of inspiration from that to see what's been done uh, existing, and I try and incorporate as much of that as I can uh, to try and keep the churches as realistically as I can with Lego. <laughs> You have to understand, this is this is Lego Medium here, which is more designed for children, although there are a very large number of adult uh, builders who build stuff that are light years ahead of anything I'm doing. But I do take into considerations, I've got multiple ideas. Each season is a blank slate. So I'm, I'm either trying to take an idea that I saw from before, I tried before, but I wanted to expand on it. Or I'm going to try something completely different. Uh, season 23 is kind of uh, unique in the fact that I'm going in a, a few different directions than what I've done uh, in the past. Uh, I'm taking some of the ideas that I've used on, on the season 22 project and bringing them back in. And 
I don't know if anyone remembers the Final Fantasy games that have come out over the years. Final Fantasy is kind of one of those unique video game series where each year is a different uh, game. They, they use some of the same mechanics here and there, uh, but for the most part, it's a, a standalone game. And that's kind of that same mentality that I have when I'm working on the season. There are similarities, parts that get reused, but at the same time, though, it is a different church. And that's the point of it. And it's also not meant to look like it's brand new. I don't use a lot of new parts. Uh, the parts that I have are old. Some of them are beat up. Some of them are scratched, scuffed, you name it. I include those in there because when you look at the church, especially a church that had been around since like the mid-1950s, you look at it and things are not quite perfect. There's like a grout line missing here and there. Uh, a brick is broken here and there. Something's off with it a little bit. The color's faded. It's not meant to be a new building. It is meant to be a, a typical parish, which may have been around for a long time. I, I'm telling a, a snapshot of parish life in in the in the way that I'm presenting things. And God is fortunate enough to give me this idea that I may have. Uh, the season 23 project is going to feature some brand new things that I've never considered before, uh, particularly with the placement of the bell towers. Uh, I'm going to include a, uh, I wouldn't say a functional elevator, but uh, I'm going to highlight that issue too of having an elevator to the second floor. Uh, I'm still working on the details on that. There's a lot of design process that's ongoing as I'm working. Uh, and sometimes you have to be a little bit flexible in terms of what you're trying to do. <laughs> oh, man. And there's a few sections I still haven't even finished deciding on yet, which I probably won't until the last possible second. <laughs> in my mind, at any given time, I'm thinking about 15 to 20 uh, rows farther than I need to because i got to make some kind of anticipation for what I'm going to try and do and still have to figure out how I'm actually going to get there. <laughs> How many pieces typically oh, uh, do you use in one of these church buildings, John? I want to say at least close to 30,000. Hmm. And the reason why I say that is because on the floor alone, where I've got all that intricate tile work that I'm notoriously known for using one by one round plates, I have probably got close to a thousand of those on the floor alone. Uh, and Lego counts the individual pieces of the minifigures, and I've got almost 300 figures sitting inside right now. Not to mention the parts that go into the uh, power chairs, the uh, scooters, the uh, the Lego wheelchairs that I have, the, uh, the service animals. There's all those little minute pieces that most people won't see. They won't see the paneling that's uh, underneath the altar because I'm using filler brick. Uh, stuff that's just there for the sake of being there and that most people won't see. Uh, but that's, again, that's the entire purpose of filler brick. Uh, they won't see the intricate details of the altar, how many brackets I'm using. Uh, and along with the plates, I'm using a couple hundred plates just on the basic bracing of the uh, lower half that creates the structure for the lights. <laughs> But also, too, it also serves a secondary function, too, is that it keeps the lower half kind of tied together until I can get the rest of the project built. <laughs> and those pieces, uh, have you been accumulating them over the years, John? Do you buy some of them? Do, can people even donate them to you as well if you need it? 
I have accumulated over 40 years worth of Legos. And I do have the infamous 25 gallon bin of miscellaneous parts that didn't go into the project and may not necessarily fit at the moment. And sometimes I dive into those. I do buy specific pieces off of uh, Lego websites like uh, Bricklink. Uh, I've got a couple of vendors that I usually rely upon that are willing to help me out every so often. But also I do take donations uh, through PayPal or if someone wants to buy something off Amazon, I've got an Amazon wish list of uh, particularly stuff related to minifigures because those are the hard parts to come by. Uh, but also to, uh, if someone wants to donate Lego, in fact, I had a lady this year donate some brick to me for the first time in a long time. Uh, she sent me a box of Legos and I went through it and sorted it and found some good pieces and gave me some new ideas to put into the project this year. <laughs> so yeah, I do take donations, uh, whether it be Lego brick uh, or other ways. Uh, and if people want to reach out to me, uh, just drop me a DM either on uh, Twitter uh, or on my Facebook page. I'll be happy to talk with you and just give you a rundown of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. When you're done the, or what, I guess, what date are you planning to complete this project, John? And then when you're done with it, can you tell our listeners what your hopes are to uh, get it into the community, uh, whether that's the, the, the parish community or even the broader community as well? Well, the tentative plan right now is I've probably got about another month to a month and a half build time, uh, taking into consideration that there will probably be a few breaks uh, here and there, uh, just to give my mind a little bit of a break or because I've got other stuff going on. The tentative plan is that as soon as the project is finished, I'm going to start reaching out, doing a little bit more of trying to see if I can find some parishes that might be interested in hosting uh, me and can provide transportation for me in the project. Like just do like a weekend run somewhere or uh, do like an event or something. Now that things are starting to, at least here in the States, are starting to open up a little bit more, parishes might be more interested in doing more community things again. Uh, so I'd like to be able to get this uh, project out and share it with everyone. Um, I don't do this for myself. I do this for the glory of God. So a project like this should not be uh, hidden away somewhere where it can't be seen. It needs to be out in the public. And I think people will have uh, a rather interesting time looking at it. Uh, I know that I've got my fans who have seen my work evolve over the many years. So they're always looking forward to seeing what I'm going to do next because they know it's going to be unique. It's going to be different, and I think people are going to enjoy it. Absolutely. And you've got uh, uh, great pictures and photos that people can follow along with you at Facebook and on Twitter as well. Uh, maybe let uh, our listeners know, John, where they can get a hold of you and uh, and how they can get a hold of you at these different social media platforms. Well, the Facebook page, which I've had for many number of years, is the Lego Church Project. Uh, and uh, I will be posting all the photos from the entire build process as on my albums. Uh, sometimes I'll make commentary a little bit about what I'm doing and just a little bit of a breakdown of what the uh, batches of photos are. I also do post on Twitter under KC8WZM, which is my amateur radio call sign as well. Uh, what I post down there are a little bit more selective photos. Uh, so you're not going to get the full uh, build progress photos as I'm working on it, but just usually the completed sections. 
along with some occasional offhanded comments about what I'm doing or the challenges that I have. I've also got a blog post, which is linked. Uh, it's on the Facebook page in its entirety, but it's also linked on Twitter where I talk a little bit more about the challenges that I'm facing with uh, in terms of the project build. Uh, not just with the building, but also with the issue of transportation and getting the project out. So there's always a lot of avenues and I'm really praying that this year would be a very good year. Last year, I was blessed to be able to do two displays with season 22. Uh, I did my usual Christ the Good Shepherd display that I've been doing uh, every year. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be able to work out so I can come back again, uh, uh, looking uh, midwinter for that. But also, too, I also did uh, All Saints Parish uh, up in Bay City, Michigan, which I did it for a few, good number of years before the pandemic hit. And I was able to come back last year for the first time, and that was such a wonderful experience. Uh, Father Jose over there, beautiful uh, parishes, uh, St. James, St. Boniface, and a wonderful parish community there, very strong community. So really uh, been blessed. So if you're in the Bay City area, Michigan area, check those parishes out. Uh, I strongly encourage it. <laughs> well, that's great. And uh, one day, maybe, John, you can do a, a road show and you can come to Canada. And maybe I would love to, to do Ontario that. Or at least something. And, uh, I, actually, there's, a, project. there's actually a, a per, couple people that want me to try and come out to Lansing, Michigan, which is about, I'm going to say two hours away, give or take. But they love me to come out to Lansing. I would love to come out. If there's a possibility, I often say I go where God is willing to send me. <laughs> Even if I can't see the logistics of it, I will go where God sends me. Well, we have a lot of listeners in Ontario, so I encourage uh, maybe those folks in southern Ontario to reach out to John and make it a true world tour, John. Because yeah, you, know, you can't I would just love stay in one. To. It's only an American tour if you stay in Michigan, but if yeah. you get to Canada, it's a world tour, right? <laughs> oh yeah, there's a. Yeah, there are a couple of places uh, near Toronto that I'd love to visit. Uh, I went to I went to World Youth Day 2002 and had a chance to check out some of those right. areas. That was a beautiful time for me, and I would love to take the project out that way. Well, that's good. Well, we'll see what we can do for you. Well, John, I, I really appreciate uh, you taking time for us. Uh, thank you for your ministry, and and thanks for uh, being a, a friend of our podcast as well. And, uh, and sharing uh, not only the Lego Church Project, but also bringing some greater awareness to people with disabilities. And I uh, look forward to chatting with you again in the near future. Thank you so much for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Well, there you have it. A big thanks to John Kramer for joining us. And a thanks to him as well for his advocacy for people with disabilities. And a reminder to go and follow him on Facebook, on Twitter. And uh, go check out the pictures, uh, the photos that he's got from the current season's build, and also you can double back to his archives and find some photos from past builds as well. So John's got a lot of great stuff going on there, so make sure you give him a follow. And speaking of follows, give us a follow as well. We are on Facebook, on Twitter, on Gab and Getter, wherever you find your fine podcasts, and uh, feel free to leave us a review as well and uh, share the podcast with your friends and your family, and let's spread this uh, revolution of love, I like to call it, of the Catholic Church and of Christianity Christendom, the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the solution to the world's problems is the cross of Jesus Christ. So thanks again for listening, everyone. And you know, Catholics, what you got to do, we got to stay in a state of grace, not just some of the time, but all the time. And you got to go to confession at least three times every year, every Lent, every Advent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll chat with you very soon.